These two individuals caused the transition from encyclopedias in less than 30 years by just creating an algorithm that ranks pages based on the number of other pages that link back to it. Their company grew to be one of the richest companies in the world with a market cap of over $2 trillion as of 2021. Most of you could have guessed it by now, we are talking about Google. When we hear the name Google, the first person who pops into our mind is the current CEO Sundar Pichai. But the actual masterminds behind Google are Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Google was originally called Backrub and it was written in Java and Python and it ran on several Sun Ultras and Intel Pentiums running Linux. The primary database was kept on a Sun Ultra 2 with 20GB of disk. The name was later changed to Google after the mathematical term Google, which is 1 followed by 100 zeros probably used to signify the scale of a search engine Google would grow to become. The domain google.com was registered on September 15, 1997. They formally incorporated their company, Google, on September 4, 1998 in their friend Susan Wojcicki's garage. In the same year, the co-founder of Sun Microsystem, Andy Bettelsheim, a Stanford alumni, takes notice of Bryn and Page's idea and writes the pair a check for $100,000. It marks Google's first investment. Even the Amazon co-founder, Jeff Bezos, was an early investor. By the end of 1998, Google had an index of 60 million pages. Early in 1999, Brin and Page decided that they wanted to sell Google to Excite. They went to Excite CEO George Bell and offered to sell it to them for $1 million. He rejected the offer. Vinod Khoshla, one of Excite's venture capitalists, talked the duo down to $750,000, but Bell still rejected it. Thanks to George Bell, we have Google as one of the best search engines and one of the richest companies with a true trillion dollar market cap right now. We want you to imagine the scenario. It is the beginning of the 21st century, the age of technology, the time when computers and laptops were getting popular and people are getting access to it in libraries, offices and some even at their homes. Google search engine attracted a loyal following among the growing number of internet users who liked its simple design. Taking advantage of this, Google began selling advertisements associated with search keywords. The ads were text-based to maintain an uncluttered page design and to maximize page loading speed. Keywords were sold based on a combination of price, bid, and click-throughs with bidding starting at $0.05 per click. In the early 2000s, Yahoo partnered with Google to bring its users a bigger organic search experience. In August of 2001, the leadership starts to take shape when Eric Schmidt was named Google CEO. Schmidt brought leadership experience having served as CEO of Novel, a software company, and as a vice president at Sun Microsystems. In 2002, Larry Page experimented with launching a digital database of magazines and books called Google Books. However, in the present time, Amazon's Kindle has taken over the ebook space and Google Books is barely in the news. Google is well known for its unofficial April Fool's Day pranks. One actual genuine prank was the April 1st, 2004 rollout of Gmail, which users took as a joke. Today, it is one of the most dominant email platforms around the world. It seemed as though 2004 was a very significant year for Google as they debut on the Nasdaq at $85 a share. 
Though the price is much lower than anticipated, it values the company at a staggering $23 billion. Google also took over Keyhole Inc., a software development company specialized in developing applications by using geospatial data visualization. In February of 2004, Yahoo dropped its partnership with Google, providing an independent search engine of its own, which didn't profit them in any way as we know how many people use Yahoo nowadays compared to Google. In 2005, Google launched tools aimed at helping users navigate the real world. It started with Google Maps, which features satellite imagery and driving directions, and it was followed shortly with Google Earth, a 3D mapping technology that offers users a way to see far-flung locations on their computer monitor. In the same year, Google acquired the young YouTube for $1.65 billion, outbidding Yahoo, Viacom, and Microsoft. This was one of the key acquisitions in the history of Google as YouTube grew into a cornerstone of online life and modern culture and it became a huge revenue generator for Google's advertising services. In July of 2005, Google shells out a relatively small amount of money, roughly $50 million, to buy a struggling mobile phone software company called Android. This acquisition would turn out to be quite valuable for Google as touchscreen mobile phones began to explode in popularity. In 2006, like every other American company, they had to face the wrath of the Chinese government and they launched a censored version of its search engine that adheres to the Chinese government rules. Ultimately, Google also bowed down to China because four years later, Google had to close up shop in China. With Google's increased size came more competition from large mainstream technology companies. One such example is the rivalry between Microsoft and Google. Microsoft had been touting its Bing search engine to counter Google's competitive position. Furthermore, the two companies are increasingly offering overlapping services such as email services, Gmail versus Hotmail, Search, both online and local desktop searching, and other applications, for example, Microsoft Windows Live Local competes with Google Earth. Google even designed its own Linux-based operating system called Chrome OS to directly compete with Windows. In 2006, Google Calendar and Google Finance were rolled out. Google's first mobile operating system, Android, was more of an open-source modified version of the Linux kernel, primarily designed for all touchscreen mobile devices like tablets and smartphones. It was unveiled with the launch of the first Android device, the HTC Dream T-Mobile G1, for commercial use in September 2008. Ever since its launch, Android has cemented its place in the history of Google as one of its most used products, running on a wide range of consumer electronics like PCs, digital cameras, game consoles, TVs and more. In April 2007, Google expands its advertising enterprise by buying online advertising company DoubleClick for $3.1 billion. This allowed Google to quickly sell its operations and scale it up to beyond targeted search results and it began working directly with web publishers to serve display advertisements across the internet rather than its search page. In May 2007, to enhance its map and navigation tools, Google straps a hulking camera to the top of the fleet of cars and sends them out to film the streets. It's called Google Street View and it's a handy way to get a look at storefronts and streetscapes but it also sparks privacy concerns. In 2007, Google was also cited by Fortune magazine as the number one company to work for in the US. 
In September 2008, Google releases Chrome, a lightweight, speedy, and minimalist web browser that challenges Microsoft's Internet Explorer and Apple's Safari. Chrome incorporated sandboxed tabs for more stable and faster browsing, due to which it quickly exploded in popularity. Ten years later, Chrome has become the most dominant web browser in the world, with up to 60% worldwide usage share. It is an en- enormous driving force that keeps Google search popular and relevant today. In the same year, Google tried to create their own equivalent of Wikipedia by the name of Knoll, which did not work out best for them, and they had to shut it down after four years. In 2010, Google launches itself into the mobile market by launching its Nexus One, a sleek and revolutionary phone known for its small size and powerful camera. This phone was released with Android 2.1 Eclair, a Qualcomm Scorpion processor clocked at 1 gigahertz, 512 MB of RAM, and a 5 megapixel rear camera. The Nexus series continued with one or more editions each year, and the Nexus branding soon changed to Pixel, which continues as Google's flagship series. and is known for its software and camera if you want to know more about the nexus and older pixel phones we'd recommend watching mkbhd's video where he reviews every nexus and pixel phone launched to date in 2011 android becomes the most used mobile os in the united states a stunning race to the top from a platform that didn't exist just 27 months prior The astonishing rise in popularity can be credited to letting handset manufacturers customize it as much as they like. One of the major reasons Android is still popular today is because of the customization capabilities Google allows brands using Android in their phones to make. It is crazy to think that ColorOS, FontaOS, OxygenOS before its merger with ColorOS and One UI are all based on Android. In March to 2012, Google completed its 12.5 billion dollar purchase for Motorola Mobility. The purchase is cons- considered a watershed moment for the company marking both its biggest acquisition and Google's transition from a search and software company to a consumer gadgets maker In April 2013 Google takes the curtains of Project Glass a headset with a see-through lens that could display everything from text messages to maps to reminders Google Glass was released to a test group to help g- gather feedback for a public release that was in- eventually scrapped the device was met with bewilderment and mockery google does plan to launch a similar device in the future again let's see what people's reaction to that when it comes out because now other companies like facebook in partnership with ray-ban and oppo have come out with their smart glasses too in june of that same year google launched chromecast a 35 dollar device for streaming content to your television while it wasn't revolutionary It competed well with the Amazon Fire and Apple TV because of its low cost. It's a part of a trend towards smart home gadgets from Google. In 2014, Google sold the Motorola Mobility unit it bought in 2012 to Lenovo for 2.9 billion dollars, almost 10 billion dollars lesser than what they paid for it. But Google walked away with a lot of patents. The company also shelled out 3.2 billion dollars in cash for connected home device maker Nest Lab to start a push into their home with internet-connected video cameras, thermostats, and smoke detectors. As of November 2014, Google operated over 70 offices in more than 41 countries. August 2015, Google folds itself into a new company called Alphabet, with Larry Page as its CEO. The new parent company includes the businesses like Next, Google X Fiber, Google Ventures under its umbrella. Sundar Pichai is named the CEO of Google and remains in the position today. 
It is May 2016 when Google enters the home assistant war with its AI-powered Google Home device. The speaker rivals the Amazon Alexa and later the Apple HomePod for voice control of your smart home devices and spoken queries. In October 2016, a month after Apple had launched its iPhone 7 and iPhone 7 Plus phones, Google launches their flagship phones called the Pixel, billed as the first phone made by Google inside and out. The phone tries to one-up Apple's iPhone with a better camera and free unlimited Pro storage. Six generations down the line, even today, the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro competes with the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro in terms of the camera. In June 2017, Google had to face antitrust issues from the European Union, who slapped Google with a 2.7 billion dollar antitrust fine, a whopping penalty for favoring its own shopping service in search results. Google denied this accusation but had to pay the fines anyway. In September, after years of working closely with the hardware manufacturer, Google finally buys HTC. It pays 1.1 billion dollars to get its hands on the smartphone expertise from the struggling Taiwanese manufacturer of its Nexus phones. The move signals that Google is serious about developing the cell phone hardware. The very next year in July of 2018 the EU punishes Google again with another record fine this time it is hit with 5 billion dollars for unfairly pushing its android apps on smartphone users and thwarting competitors the company refuted the claim saying in a statement that android has created more choice for everyone not less i assert this statement that android has created more choice among users and that smartphone brands using android themselves are pushing certain apps on their phones as bloatware for which they get money we have spoken about bloatware in one of our previous episodes you can check that out if you want to know more about ads and bloatware Between 2018 and 2019, tensions between the company's leadership and its workers escalated as staff protested against company decisions on internal sexual harassment, Dragonfly, a censored Chinese search engine, and Project Maven, a military drone artificial intelligence which had seen areas of revenue growth for the company. On October 25, 2018, the New York Times published the expose on how Google protected Andy Rubin, the father of Android. The company subsequently announced that 48 employees have been fired over the last 2 years for sexual misconduct. On 1st November 2018, Google's employees staged a global walkout to protest the company's handlings of sexual harassment complaints, including the golden parachute exit of former executive Andy Rubin. More than 20,000 employees and contractors participated. CEO Sundar Pichai was reported to be in support of the protests. On 19th March 2019, Google announced that it would enter the video game market launching a cloud gaming platform called Google Stadia. Google advertised it to be capable of streaming video games to players at up to 4K resolution at 60 frames per second with support for HDR via Google's numerous data centers. It is accessible through Google Chromecast, Android TV devices, the Google Chrome web browser on personal computers as well as other Chromium-based browsers. It was also available on the Stadia mobile app on supported Android smartphones, Chrome OS tablets too. On June 3, 2019, the United States Department of Justice reported that it would investigate Google for antitrust violations. This led to the filing of an antitrust lawsuit in October 2020 on the grounds that the company had abused a monopoly position in the search and search advertising markets.
Talking about some of Google's latest developments, in March 2021, Google reportedly paid $20 million for Ubisoft ports on Google Stadia. Google spent tens of millions of dollars on getting major publishers such as Ubisoft and Take-Two to bring some of their biggest games to Stadia. In January 2021, the Australian government proposed legislation that would require Google and Facebook to pay media companies for the right to use their content. In response, Google threatened to close off access to its search engine in Australia. In April 2021, the Wall Street Journal reported that Google ran a year-long program called Project Burnake that used data from past advertising bids to gain an advantage over competing for ad services. This was revealed in documents concerning the antitrust lawsuit filed by 10 US states against Google in December. In October of 2021, Google announced the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro, the 2021 flagship series, for a price of $599 for the Pixel 6 and $899 for the Pixel 6 Pro respectively. If you want to know more about these devices as well as Gautam's thoughts on them, you can check out the episode linked in the show notes. We all know that the future is going to be the metaverse and at one point everyone would take time out of their day to escape from their physical boring world, put on a VR headset and get into a virtual world of their own. Tailored to their own fantasies, I'm sure people will enjoy it. So what's Google's thoughts on the metaverse? We do not know that yet because Google has been very quiet about its augmented reality plans in general. Following suit of other companies, working on hardware and software for the metaverse A new Google Labs group has now been overseeing the company's augmented reality work. In a recent interview with Bloomberg, Sundar Pichai said, and I quote, It's always been obvious to me that computing over time will adapt to people than people adapting to computers. You won't always interact with computing in a black rectangle in front of you. So just like you speak to people, you see and interact, computers will become more immersive. They'll be there when you need them to be. So I have always been excited about the future of immersive computing, ambient computing, AR, close quotes. From this statement, it looks like Google isn't interested in working with the software part of Metaverse, but they are interested in targeting the hardware and trying to make it easy, comfortable and more immersive for users who want to use the Metaverse. This finally ends our History of Google episode. We hope you liked it. If you have made it all the way here, DM us on our Instagram at the rate techbuddiespot the word Google Doodle along with your feedback about the episode. This will help us know and connect with our audience better and improve our content. We hate to do this in every episode, but if you are listening to this episode on Spotify, click on the follow button. And if you are tuning in from Apple Podcasts, subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. Take care. Signing off.